Welcome to Meltdown to Mastery, empowering women to overcome midlife crisis by rewiring the subconscious mind. Feeling overwhelmed, disillusioned, stuck? We all have. Here we explore inspiration and empowerment to navigate through the tough times and move to a place where hearts soar, minds manifest, and bodies heal. Welcome everyone, Jane here. Today I want to talk about the subconscious mind and how we're programmed. When I was in my 20s, I read the book, The Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton. And I think that changed the way I think about illness and well-being because he spoke about or he writes about how many of our programs or thoughts affect our health. And it totally made sense to me. So I became aware of that in my early 20s. I think it was when I was at university, actually. And a bit earlier, I read Barbara Brennan's book, Hands of Light, which was written beautifully. She was a NASA scientist, so she could see human aura and the energy field. And she could see how our thoughts affect our energy body. So it's all intertwined, our thoughts, our energy body, our health, our well-being. And when I became a naturopathic doctor, I discovered homeopathy. And I was really excited because it's one of the few medicines that take into account the mental state of the patient or of us And I found that really exciting. So a really simple example would be one of my daughters had a really bad cough. So she'd be six, five, six years old, quite young. And I was trying, I was studying to be a homeopath and I was using a lot of cough remedies because they don't really, you know, it's hard to take a young child's case, but as I've learned, it's actually easier uh, so as I became a homeopath, I'm excited to take a child's case because it's so simple. And when I took her case, I discovered that she was having an emotional situation at school that I didn't know about. Her and her friends had built this fort at the edge of the playground. And she got herself grounded one day. And so she wasn't allowed to go out with her friends to this fort they had built. And that's when her cough started. So all the homeopathic remedies I was using for cough, just cough in the symptoms of where the cough was in her throat, when it was, you know, you take into account when it's worse, when it's better, is it better outside? Is it better laying down? All of that. I couldn't find a remedy until I sat her on my knee and asked her what was going on. And When she told me this, I just asked her how she was feeling about it. And she said she was feeling sad. And so when I took the mental emotional situation into account, I knew that the remedy was Ignatia, which has an hysterical cough. It It was a really bad cough. She would cough to the point of vomiting. But in Ignatia, there's this element of sadness, which is the mental emotional connection. When I combined the two and gave her that remedy, her cough was gone. 
immediately, like within 15, 20 seconds. And I think she coughed a little bit again the next evening. So I redosed her. But that's just an example of how connected our mental emotional state is to our physical body. And so I learned that as a homeopath and as a naturopathic doctor, and I found this so intriguing and such such a valuable medicine that I chose to study homeopathy even after I graduated as a naturopath. We get a lot of really good information in homeopathy as a naturopathic doctor, but I wanted to master it. And so I became a homeopath as well and studied another three years in homeopathy. And I've seen amazing results with this medicine. In that time, I met Divya Chambra. She's an Indian homeopath who's really brilliant because she's developing this technique of how to get into the unconscious mind to find programs or loops that exist that when triggered, we develop physical illness. So we what she teaches is that we learn are programmed as humans and that a lot of our programming happens from the ages of one to seven. And in that time, we develop thousands of neural circuits. And it's how we learn what a dog is, etc. And we learn it through our five senses. So a dog, you know, as a baby, we might first feel a dog and we understand what their fur feels like. And then we might connect a smell to that dog. And all the little features, you know, how they have a pointed nose and their ears. And and soon we might only have a smell and we know it's a dog. Or we just see the snout and we know what the rest of the dog looks like. Or mostly, right? So all these neural circuits get developed. But there might be one that develops that's connected to something very emotional and what I've learned is that this circuit, it has many aspects to it. So it includes the background of where this may have happened. So it might have happened in the kitchen several times, and it might be very emotional. And later in life, we could get triggered by it. But because of where it happened, there's all these elements in the background that could also trigger us. And it could also include a smell, say something was cooking at the time that the circuit was developed. A really brilliant way that she describes it is imagine that you grew up close to a school and the bell rang to bring kids into the school at 9 a.m., 12 noon, and for recess, say 3 2.33 p.m. And when you were growing up, you would also eat at those times. You were having breakfast at 9 a.m., lunch at 12, and a snack at 2.30 or 3 p.m. But imagine later on you moved, you were now living close to a train station, and there was a similar bell going off, but now it's going off every 20 minutes. And what would happen is that the same reaction you had when you heard the bell just much like Pavlov's dog, you heard the bell and then all the internal things would happen 
to create an environment in your body that would be good and healthy for eating. But if you're now at the train station and it's triggering that same reaction, all the gastric juices, saliva, every 20 minutes, and you were unaware of why all this was happening, you might develop an eating disorder or a peptic ulcer, completely unaware of the programming that happened as a child. Another example would be if, let's say you were a young kid at early school, six years old, and there was somebody that bullied you every day at a certain part of the school. Later in life, you would connect someone that looked like that. You'd know that you got triggered. But what you would be unaware of is, say it happened in the gym room, and there was a certain smell there was, you know, all these things in the background, perhaps a crumpled piece of paper in the corner or, you know, socks or all these little details that can also trigger you. It's just becoming aware of how programmed we really are. And now if I feel triggered or, you know, you realize that you're suddenly sick or triggered, I often just ask myself, hmm, where is this coming from? And just being aware often dissipates the reaction somewhat, even though it might, it might actually be a little harder to get around at times. And often the deeper these programs are, the more chronic the disease may be. Take into account someone who has high blood pressure and they have a program running that they must achieve quickly and efficiently, get things done as fast as possible. And, you know, all those programs that run often in business people and people that achieve great things, but they have this constant internal pressure. It could be a program running from childhood. But unless you're in, if you're going to heal that high blood pressure, you need to also heal the program that is running. So I just wanted to comment on how programmed we are. And often if I feel resistance in my body, I'll ask, is this something that is real or is it something that I'm being programmed by? Or if I'm triggered by something, I'll ask the same questions and it gets part of the way. Sometimes you need help from homeopathy or hypnosis or, you know, something like that, that really gets to the unconscious because sometimes we're completely unaware. I just wanted to bring your attention to a beautiful interview I had on neuroscience and it's a great listen. It goes into it far deeper and with a lot more information, but also one that we did recently on intuition. And intuition is very important as well. It, I feel that our ability to be intuitive gets programmed out of us. As Imagine as a kid, you saying certain things, well, I feel like this, and adults tell you that that's not real. And so you you get programmed to not listen to it anymore. But just to be aware of the difference between programming and intuition. So sometimes we feel we're having an intuitive thought about something. I intuitively don't like this person. But is it that or is it a program that's been running that 
remind you of someone that was bullying or being mean to you when you were a child. I think intuition comes from a place connected to the heart and there's a way of knowing that we're connecting to that. And again, I think resistance or that tightness in our body is something that we need to pay attention to and then ask ourselves, is this intuition or is it a program that's running those intuition, those intuitive thoughts that we get that lead us in the right direction or save us from something that might have been very difficult or damaging is really important to hone. I all aspects of it. I mean, it's just a matter of us becoming masters of our own selves and not giving away our power to something outside ourselves. I feel that is probably one of the biggest programs running, but giving our power away, even in our health, is something that we need to take back. We need to take back our power because we've been programmed to give that away since early childhood as well, unless you had a very independent, strong mother who knew a lot about healing. There was a high possibility that we were taught as children that if we get sick, that we must run to someone who knows better how to heal us. Instead of paying attention to what's going on inside and realizing that we are powerful beings and that we can heal it. Doctors are very important in our society. I'm just saying that we often give our power away to something that we perceive to be greater than us in conjunction with that information that we receive from someone who's trained. We need to listen to our own inner voice and our own intuition to decide you know, what is best for us. So that's, that is my thought for this beautiful Monday and enjoy your day. I'm in a sunny part of the mountains and it's absolutely gorgeous. See you on the flip side. My desire to help people understand and take control of their own health started with a book I wrote called Jane's Empowered Handbook. I'll include the link in the in the show notes. It's available from Frisian Press and Frisian Press will ship to anywhere in the world. It describes 17 homeopathic remedies, how homeopathy works and how to use it and how to find those keynotes like I did in the example of Ignatia. And then I also include 12 cell salts, which I've used in my own practice to teach people because they're very simple. There's only 12 and you can work with almost anything and very powerful for, you know, mothers with young children. So that is my gift and enjoy it. And I hope that what it does is get you excited when you find that homeopathic or cell salt that really helps and that you continue your education and learning about natural remedies and empowering yourself with this very valuable information. If you've enjoyed the information in this episode, share it with someone you care about and know will benefit. There's one thing for certain, meltdowns are inevitable. Let's move into mastery together. In the show notes, you'll find my link tree, which has links to many of the most popular platforms. You'll also find links to connect to the featured guest, web page, and social media. 
Thanks again for being committed to mastery. Change in this world really starts within each of us.